Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Brinson backs up with it, played it over for Shabbat. He'll dump it in. Warmington after the puck. Knocks it behind the net for Connor Brown. Centered in front. Nick Paul with a chance. He scores! All right, that clip courtesy of our friends at Sportsnet. Nick Paul with a beauty. He already has a career high with nine goals, and we're only at the halfway point of the year. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. It is uh, Sens Nation podcast. And coming up today, the Sens give the Devils their due, a 4-1 win at the CTC. Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Of course, the show is brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Greg, how are things with you today? Things are good, Stephen. What a wonderful weekend of all-star festivities, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> were uh, you cringing? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, you know, we were talking off the air about old all-star games of the past. It really seemed like the older games at least had a little something to them. Now we've just, now it's even worse. It was bad then, and now it's even worse with this three-on-three thing and a tournament format. It just looks like the guys are going through the motions. Well, not only that, Steve, the the game was at 12 noon local time in Vegas. How do you think those guys were feeling when they strolled into the rink pregame? Wow. I I bet more than a few of them. uh, uh, Brady sure looked like he might have still been in bad shape for the night before. More than a few of them were probably feeling something from the night before. Let me just preface my comments that are about to come here yeah. uh, with this quote. I don't care what Brady Kachuk does in a three-on-three at the All-Star game in Vegas. I just don't care. It's not meaningful. But now that I've said that, that's the worst I've seen Brady Kachuk look <laughs> in any hockey game ever. Holy moly. So That's not knows? his Maybe. thing. No, it's not his thing to start with. You're right, for sure. And there was nothing but speed and high-end skill and uh, inevitably, Brady Kachuk's going to look a little clunky in that format for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if he had some fun as well. And again, don't don't uh, send me emails saying, oh, come on, you jerk, you know, what are you, you know, mocking Kachuk? No, no, I'm just pointing out that I, I rarely see Kachuk looking that way. That's all. But uh, yeah, I, well, we said this like a week ago when it was announced that he was going to go in place of the Drake said, I, I thought that Norris would have been the logical guy, but then he got injured the next day anyway. So if they'd named Norris, they would end up having to replace him. But even even Stutzla would be like, imagine seeing Stutzla in a game like that. That'd be something to see. It's just, it's not Brady's game. It's not his thing. He's not a, he's not a finesse guy. He's not a, he's a north-south dump and grind and check and, and front of the net presence and block shots and hits. You know, he's, he's not a three-on-three guy. Yeah, no question about it. Um, and we spent too long on it because, again, it just doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah. in the meantime, before you do move away from it, though, I mean, th- does the three-on-three thing even make sense to you, the tournament format? The, to me, it's like selling a product that you don't normally sell. You know, you don't normally have three-on-three. Yes, you have. That's the way you break your ties for five minutes if there's a tied game. But the game itself, and it's, at its essence, is a five-on-five product. So why are you selling something else when you have this big showcase that you're trying to introduce maybe to new customers? Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. It's it, We're trying to supposedly sell the game. We're trying to get new eyeballs to, to watch the game. 
but then you're not actually going to watch the game that we actually play. It's right. it's all very strange. <laughs> it would really, uh, it, it's exciting. Like if I'm not a fan, if I've never seen a game in my life and the only thing I've ever seen was that, that's exciting stuff. <laughs> that's pretty cool to watch. But yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you're selling a product you're, that you're not going to produce later. It's an admission that your normal product isn't exciting enough. So we've got to trick it up. Anyway, uh, we, we've gone too far in the All-Star game. Let okay. us, and we're recording here on a, on a Monday night right after the game, and uh, the Sens come up with a 4-1 win over the New Jersey Devils. Puck brought back in by Connor Brown, trying to center in front. Nick Paul with a shot. Stop, rebound, scores! Connor Brown, in his return, buries it. So Connor Brown back in the lineup. And again, that clip courtesy of Sportsnet. Brown back in the lineup, as we expected, wearing uh, a visor of sorts to protect his broken jaw. All he does is come in and set up Nick Paul's goal and score a goal of his own man. Connor Brown is just such a good player, isn't he? He is, Steve. He is Mr. Uh, All-Purpose. Uh, he is He's Brady Kachuk a couple years older with maybe a little more skill, maybe a little better hands. Um, you got to love watching him play, the work ethic he brings, the leadership he brings, the character, uh, the grit, all those intangibles that you want. And he plays Senator Hockey, shift in, shift out, night in, night out. It was good to see him back. I thought it was pretty cool. Did you notice the side of the little cage thing, the clear thing he was wearing? There was even a Senator logo on it. Did you see that? It was like, oh, I didn't, like is this I didn't, the new? Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's like, wow. a, it's like a goalie mask. We're going to put a little bit of artwork on the side of his plastic shield thing was kind of cool yeah i will say this and i think i've mentioned in a past episode when we were talking about captaincy certainly brady kachuk is everyone's choice as captain but most people would defer after that if it's not kachuk it's probably thomas shabbat in my book if i'm coaching the ottawa senators connor brown was going to be my plan b my plan a is kachuk but connor brown delivers just about everything you want if you're a coach. Two-way hockey, he kills penalties, he chips in offensively, and just an honest night's work every single night. If you're talking about guys who lead by example, who's a better poster child for that than Connor Brown? Yeah, and he's the kind of guy that you, you want to keep around. He, he's an influencer with, uh, with some of these young kids, with some of these guys coming up. Like, imagine what it's going to be like when you got Ridley Gregg here and he, he gets to mentor under a Connor Brown, um, yeah. the, the kind of influence he's going to have on a, on a Formanton, the kind of influence he's already had on Nick Paul, uh, guys like him and, and Watson and to a certain extent, Sanford, uh, the, the influence he's having on Gambrell. Doesn't Gambrell look great playing between Watson and uh, Sanford, between Watson and Sanford. Great to see that line back again. But Connor Brown is an influencer in your room, on the ice, at practice, probably in the gym, probably everywhere, and it's a bit of a, it puts you in a tough spot because he's somebody the teams are probably going to call about looking to acquire at the trade deadline. You want to get rid of him? You want to keep him? I say you want to keep him just because of the influence that he has over everyone. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that is not going to vie for a heart trophy at any stage, but he can be part of any team's Stanley Cup solution. So if I, you know, I'd certainly make that call. If I felt like I, as a rival GM, I felt like this team had a chance at winning a Stanley Cup, I'd certainly be picking up the phone and talking to Pierre Dorian. Hey, any chance that Connor Brown is available? Because again, I think he can be part 
of any team's Stanley Cup solution. But you mentioned Nick Paul, and again, a career-best nine goals, and we're only at the halfway point. It sure is nice to see the evolution of this guy, but he'll be a discussion point for the second half throughout just because he's about to become a free agent, what to do, what to do with this guy. He's on pace for 18 goals. And I guess the question I'd have, Greg, would be, is this a Zach Smith one-off? Is it, Or is this something he's capable of moving forward? No, I think this is a natural progression for him. In the case of Zach Smith, let's not forget it happened because of increased minutes. He moved up the lineup pretty good uh, during that season. What, what did he get to, 25 or 26? That, 25. Yeah, that that year... He spent a good chunk of it playing up the lineup due to injuries. Um, uh, Nick Paul's just an honest, hardworking guy who's going to score goals the old-fashioned way. The good forecheck, good turnovers down low, the occasional short-handed goal. Um, it's not a, a one-off. It is just a natural progression for him, but it's the same thing. that the Offers are going to come in, and don't forget the, the, the price that uh, Tampa was willing to pay to build their third line that won the two cups with um, the guy that went to Calgary. What was his name? Oh, um, Help me out. The, the, two, the two guys that they acquired to make their third line in Calgary, guys like Connor Brown and Nick Paul are exactly the same thing. Right. And the thing about Paul and Connor Brown, obviously you want to keep them around. They're fantastic bottom six guys for you. Maybe Brown even could slip into some team's top six. But with Brown and Paul, ideally on a Stanley Cup winner or a contender, they're phenomenal bottom six guys, but not at any price. I think about Brown when you're talking about the unparalleled success years. Brown's contract will then be coming to a close. You can't pay these guys just anything because, well, you have a lot of guys to pay. And Nick Mm -hmm. Paul, that discussion is going to come up again and again between now and the end of the season. I don't know what price tag would be too high, but it's, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not tripling his salary in the off season. I just can't. No, he's, he's going to look at probably between uh, 175 and 225. So one and three quarters and two and a quarter, probably in that window, I would expect him to, him to, to be signed for um, probably only two, maybe three years. Um, I got to go back to it, Steve. It's you got to consider what the offers are going to be. Like it, it, to me, he's he's every bit as good as I remember the name. By the way, it's Coleman. He's every bit as good as Coleman. He's probably just as good as Barkley Goudreau. Those were the two guys that Tampa acquired. There's going to be a lot of demand for what Nick Paul can bring to a team in a third line role. And hey, if it's going to be a first round pick, that's a tough decision for Pierre and Pierre to think about, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And, and if he's going to flirt with 20 goals, if he has a yeah. big second half here, I mean, the, the numbers you're throwing around make perfect sense at this moment in time while we're discussing it right now. But if that number at the end of the year comes in around 20, those no numbers will be, I think, a good deal higher than that. So it's going to be an interesting guy to keep an eye on down the stretch here as we uh, head toward his free agency. Matt Murray is is a guy I can't get my head around at all. <laughs> Like, just look at his season. He's now been in 14 games for the Ottawa Senators this year. In his first seven games, you know how many points he had? (laughs) Zero. 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 In the last seven, he's gotten, he's he's basically wrestled 12 of 14 points uh, away from the other team. So that's a bit of a turnaround, I would suggest. 
And he will probably, I mean, we're, we're talking right now as the media is probably talking to him. He's probably telling the media right now that, you know what? Nothing's changed. I'm playing exactly the same now as I did at the start of the year. I don't know if I buy that. Something has changed. What are you seeing? Well, I, I, he's he's up and he's out a lot more. I thought uh, we've talked about this. He was he was down early and he was deep in his net far too often uh, early in the season and and for stretches last year too. Uh, he just seems more. He looks bigger, right? He's already bigger than we think he is. And he's got a massive chest protector, like he's just a big guy, and and he looks bigger in his net. He's challenging more. He's more aggressive. I think his rebound control is better. You combine rebound control with positioning, positioning depth-wise. I'm talking about. Uh, you're going to have success. I think about that trip to the minors, and I wonder if the urgency factor had maybe slipped a little. I'm a two-time Cup champion. I'm a superstar. I'm making superstar money. Um, I wonder if maybe that kick in the butt was something that just just tweaked him a little bit, that the insult, the embarrassment of that, if that tweaked him just enough that he comes back and he's just got that little more urgency to T-push a little quicker to get over to the far post or, or whatever it is. Um, I wonder if that had a factor in this whole thing because the timelines certainly line up for that theory. Yeah, but then again, by all accounts, from anybody I've spoken to who who uh, who knows him and and has any type of relationship with him, or anytime you see him interviewed, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to have an ego problem. He just seems like a a steady guy, and I think he he maintained that steadiness. Like even when he went down, he said, "It's not a reset. It's not a refresh. I'm still doing the same things. I'm still working hard. I'm you know I'm going to work my way back to the whatever." Um, and he, and he got there saying that he's done nothing to change. So I, I don't know that it was an ego problem. I, I, I don't know what it was. Like, it'd be interesting to sit down with him and actually get him to tell you the absolute truth. Like what was really going on in your head? What was really happening there? I, I'd be interested to see what, if maybe at the end of the year, he'll share something with us. I don't know. Or maybe he's right. Maybe it's just one of those things. Maybe he just. Pucks weren't hitting him. Maybe there's a lot more yeah. to the goaltending position uh, than we think in, in the way of luck. Maybe luck plays a lot more into the whole thing than we think. And I don't know. It just seems to me that you can't go that sideways for the better part of two and a half years yeah. uh, and have it just be, yeah, I'm just playing the way I always do. Uh, whether you're conscious of it or not, something has changed. There's no doubt in my mind about that. There is also no doubt in my mind that Jim K. Ford is our proud title sponsor. And they are also your Ottawa certified pre-owned Ford dealer. Jim K. Ford removes all the worries for you with a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, vehicle history report, purchase financing rates from 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That is peace of mind. Check out JimKFord.com today. They're at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Um, what else did I want to get into here? I wanted to mention, of course, Connor Brown back in the lineup. But Nikita Zaitsev and Dylan Gambrell were as well. We've raved about Brown already. Did you have any any eyeballing on Zaitsev and Gambrell tonight? Well, it's just it's it's a stabilization, right? Like Gambrell on that line with uh, with Watson and Sanford gives you a solid third line that's not going to give up a lot of goals. Probably not going to give up a lot of chances. 
especially with Austin Watson and, and Sanford with their shot blocking skills. Gambrell just solidifies that line. When you get Norris and Batherson back, it'll be fun to see. And, and you add you add people into this lineup down the stretch. It's going to be some, something to see because that's solidified. Zaitsev solidifies things on the blue line. He takes a lot of heat, but he does solidify things. He's better out there than Victor Mete. Um, he's probably better in certain situations than than the two kids, than, than Bernard Docker or Lassie Thompson. So you put him back in the lineup. He played most of the night with Shabbat. You you have a, a, a you got uh, solidified now with Brandstrom playing with Holden, and it just kind of makes everything that much smoother, I guess. And it it uh, Gary Galley said it tonight on the broadcast. The 500 or so fans in the building tonight got to see a really good road win, <laughs> a really good road game by the Ottawa Senators at home. One player of interest I wanted to talk about was Mark Kastelik. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just had his NHL debut. He got his first assist tonight. I thought he might actually had the goal that was awarded to Nick Holden. It was a shot from the point that I thought Kastelik might have uh, deflected, but uh, he ends up with still an assist on it, his first NHL point. And it's funny, we were talking about Nick Paul. They really, there's some similarities there in terms of size and skating and the long stick that just gets in the way of everything. Like, I'm really impressed with Mark Kastelik in the early going. That, to me, looks like a player that if he continues to evolve down in Belleville, he could really, really push for a regular spot this fall. Yeah, and he's a guy who has a little bit, probably a little bit more upside on the offensive side. Not that that's going to be all that important if he's playing in a bottom six role, but you never know. He's a guy that you liked from the get-go when he was first uh, signed there. We talked about him, God, I want to say it was over a year ago. Was it not last summer mm-hmm. when he was first signed and we started talking about him? And you, you liked him and wanted to see him play. And he's another guy who's come in, he's developed, he's learned how to play the game the Senator way, and he just slides seamlessly into that lineup and he, and he looks pretty good. Yeah, there's not much to separate him and Nick Paul at the moment just by eyeballing. Mm-hmm. And and this is something the Sens are going to have in the back of their mind, right? Because uh, they have to figure out what is Nick Paul worth and what do we have to replace him with if he's too rich for our blood just based on all the other things going on financially with this team. Mark Kastelik is like, I think he's, I want to say four or five years younger than Nick Paul is. So I would I would make the argument that Kastelik at this point in his career is much farther along at 22 than Nick Paul was. We all know it took oh, yeah. forever to, for Nick Paul to get to the league. So I'm very impressed. Yeah, well, most of the first period he played center. I don't know, maybe he didn't take all the faceoffs because he was playing with Tierney. They moved Tierney to the wing, and he actually Kastelik started with Tierney and Ennis, and then Ennis got moved up to the big line, and uh, Kastelik ended up playing with Tierney and Gaudet as your fourth line. So he did play center in that way. And there was, you, you watch the game, um, he's able to play in the D zone down low, which with a Chris Tierney on your line, maybe it's better that somebody else is down low, somebody with better feet and a little more better mobility. So yeah, he is a centerman and that's probably where he projects out. Um, maybe he is the fourth line center long-term here. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now and he did very well. Thank you very much. 80%, eight and two, in the face-off circle, so that's uh, that's good to see. Getting 12 minutes, 21 seconds of ice time. So, uh, yeah, so encouraging. Long-term, though, it's Stutzla and Norris in your top six. It's their 1A or 1B. 
it's uh, Pinto in the third slot. Then you've got Ridley Gregg. You've got a Castellick. You've got a, a Dylan Gambrell. You're probably letting Tierney go. There's, there's bodies here. You can start to see now as, as prospects become NHL ready and you're not so dependent now on kids and draft choices, you've now built up some assets that you can make some deals and acquire some players, hopefully, uh, that can play higher up in the lineup by moving some of these other guys out. All right, changing gears off the ice, Drake Batherson was talking to the media like crazy over the last day or two and uh, updated his condition. Of course, he took that cheap shot from goalie Aaron Dell of the Buffalo Sabres, and he slammed into the end boards, and he's got that high ankle sprain. Batherson here updates his condition. I know I'm feeling uh, feeling really good. Um, I'm surprised where I'm at, honestly. been walking uh, normally for the last five days now. Um, the trainers were saying it was uh, one of the quickest guys I've ever seen walking again, so... I'm drinking my milk and uh, getting healthy. <laughs> so there's Drake Batherson talking about his high ankle sprain and some encouraging stuff there. Apparently, uh, he heals like an all-star as well, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I caught a piece on on uh, that's hockey tonight that uh, where he was talking, uh, as well as the interview that he did between periods on the Rogers broadcast and saying he's been walking for five days. And all the staff and the physio people are quite impressed with the speed with which he's recovered. He even went out for a jog, he said. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Can he be back in a couple of weeks? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Well, that's no, the that... timetable for Josh Norris now, apparently. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I, he was looking for a second opinion, which is immediately a concern. You know, it happened and it's, you know, we're, we're what, at least 10 days since it since it went down and and we still haven't heard exactly what the prognosis is officially, and he's seeking a second opinion. But it does look like they're in that sort of one-month window where he could be back in the lineup. Yeah, well, the, the quote from Pierre Dorian in The Sun was that the shoulder is, quote, structurally sound. Uh, that's f- after the second opinion. So if that's the case, they figure he's only supposed to be out three to four weeks. Backtrack from the time of the injury, three to four weeks means... February 27, 28, the end of the month, uh, Josh Norris could be back in your lineup. Phenomenal. That's uh, It was depressing, though, to see uh, both he and Drake Batherson up in the press box tonight, just mm-hmm. uh, continuing to watch hockey games. Because I got thinking about it, because a lot of people in the second half who are Sens fans are saying, okay, they're out of the playoffs. They, uh, you know, they can maybe improve their draft lottery situation with guys like Batherson and Norris out of the lineup. But I'm like, I want them to, I'm just done with draft lotteries. I just want to see them win. And I also want to see a turning of the page as far as attitudes about the Ottawa Senators go. I want people to say, okay, they're not going to make the playoffs, but damn, look at the, look out for those guys in the fall. And it'll also help Pierre Dorian. If he's going to, maybe they need another top six winger and he is going to go free agent hunting. If this team rips it up in the second half and they had guys like Batherson and Norris in the lineup, that would certainly make it easier for Pierre Dorian if everybody was going about the Ottawa Senators saying this is a really nice looking team. Um, I think that would probably make life a little easier when it comes to guys waiving no trade clauses or wanting to come to Ottawa in free agency. Yeah, it's probably a, an age thing, um, a career games played. There's probably a line somewhere where a player gets to a certain age 
And it's not so much about being in a nice place with good players and maybe winning. And it becomes, I want to be in any place with any players and definitely winning. You know what I'm saying? Like Claude Giroux is probably not waving to come to Ottawa because at his age, he wants to win now before it's too late. But a younger guy, a free agent in the, in the mid twenties, um, a younger guy who looks at the group in Ottawa and says, these guys are fun. Uh, they're having fun. I'd like to be a part of that. Those are the kind of guys that maybe you can go out and find who in free agency, I'm saying, who would say, yeah, I'll go there. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. It looks like a great group of guys. Like I'm, I'm a guy who's late in middle age and I'm saying to myself, these guys look like they're a lot of fun to hang out with. They, uh, they all seem to be really high end characters and personalities not to mention being very good hockey players as well. That that would be a fun team to be a part of, and certainly the future is looking good as far as being able to win someday. So did you did you see the Nick Paul play where he tripped over the blue line? Yeah, what was that about? Yeah, okay, what was okay. going on? Could you, could you hear the chirps from the bench? Tope. That was <laughs> yeah. The boys were on him for the bench. You could hear them all hooting and hollering. That's one plus to there only being five hundred people in the stands. You can hear a little bit of the chirping going on. that's how much fun they have that's irresistible there's no way that a hockey player cannot chirp that guy tripping over the blue line like that and uh you just have to do it even if it meant if if it's your boss out there and it means that you're going to get fired there's no way you cannot say something like oh topic something (laughs) like that got to do it got to do it um now speaking of 500 fans in the stands what did you think about the this the story out there that some of the canadian teams have spoken to Gary Bettman about maybe playing home games in the States. What do you, what do you think about Gary's answer to that? Well, for one, the Sens uh, were one of those teams, apparently, yes. that went to Gary about it, yeah. Um, I, I don't blame any owner for wanting to do that, although I, don't, I would wonder where the Ottawa Senators would go where the American audience would be a big fan I think if you if you want to make it happen, the pressure point to to lay on to the the board of governors or onto Gary is, why don't we go into Houston? You know, that's a place the NHL thinks that they can make hockey go. Why don't point. we go into a Houston or why don't we go into a Kansas City's room or Portland's rumored? Go into some of these markets where you think NHL hockey could happen. Uh, now, this is never going to happen. Okay, there it's the, the league is never going to allow this. But those are the kind of places where I think. Uh, you could make it work, fans, because apparently there's a lot of hockey fans, and Houston is the third largest city in the country, uh, population base. So you could certainly get draw on a lot of people that would go see you play. I think it's probably more likely, though, maybe a better chance of of flipping a home and home, like they play the Rangers home and home, uh, maybe playing the Ranger home game, uh, the home game against the Rangers, change it so that it's on April the 9th here instead of February 20th, and on February 20th, go to New York and play the Rangers. Both the Leafs and Habs were allowed to do that earlier, uh, like late in 2021, uh, with some of their makeup games. They were able to flip home and home games like that. So maybe that's an option. Yeah, that, that would make sense. That's a sensible solution, honestly. Uh, either one is sensible to me. I don't, I don't know why the NHL would have any real big difficulty with them setting up shops somewhere where they can make some serious money. So. TSN 1200, uh, my former stomping grounds, put out a poll today online, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Got me to thinking. What Senator player is under the most pressure to perform here in the second half? 
What about you? What do you think? Well, did they give you choices? They did not. It was just oh, the question. I hate it when they do that. I think it's probably uh, bubble guys. Like, I, uh, you know, Brady Kachuk hasn't scored in a while, but he's not feeling any pressure. The top of the lineup guys aren't feeling any pressure. I think it's bubble guys who would be in that spot. Guys like a Josh Brown, a Victor Mete, Eric Brandstrom, um, uh, Forsberg, Anton Forsberg should be in that slot. There's guys there that are probably feeling pressure. Dylan Gambrell, does he want to be around? Is he an NHL or isn't he an NHL? There's a guy who's probably got some pressure, all internal pressure, personal pressure. I don't, the, 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 the team's not going to put any pressure on these guys. Uh, they're, they're probably feeling it themselves because they're playing for contracts. They're playing for a career. They're playing for their livelihood. So I would think those kind of guys, what, who are you thinking about? Yeah, I think it's those guys. I mean, Matt Murray popped into my head. Matt Murray's set for life no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's just a, it, it's a done deal. He's He and his grandkids are set for life now with that yeah. contract versus a guy like Josh Brown, who just recently established himself down in Florida as a regular NHLer. He has not made his fortune, and right now he is at very great risk of, okay, if I'm a rival GM and, and Josh Brown couldn't stick with the Ottawa Senators, then uh, – well, what do I want with him? So he, if he yeah. wants his next contract, he's going to have to have a very good second half. And I think because there's that relationship with DJ Smith, I think the coach is going to give him every opportunity to do that. Is Colin White the top of that list? Is Colin Ooh, White that's your a good answer one. to this? Yeah, the senator with the most pressure, assuming he's going to be back playing, I don't know, mid-March. Hopefully he's back before the trade deadline. He's under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Also set for life, though. <laughs> yeah, but 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 different. That that's he's got outside pressure and internal and personal pressure. He's got to feel it from everywhere. Like there would right. be pressure on him from a from a coaching standpoint, from a management standpoint, even ownership. He's got to feel pressure coming from everywhere. You know, Christ, he probably goes home and feels pressure, <laughs> but at least himself to make sure he he plays well and and tries to stay here. In the in the meantime, I think there's, you know, from a team perspective, I don't think there's much pressure at all on this team. It's a uh, guys playing for jobs, but that's true of any team that's kind of playing out the stretch. So it's not really unique to the Sens. Um, so good question. And uh, mm. well, we'll check back and tell me the answers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if we'll take your feedback on anything we've talked about today, by the way, our email address is sensnationpodcast at outlook dot com. So we love your feedback. Anything you want to hear us talk about on the show. And we'll leave you with this today. Um, right now, the schedule starts to get stupid. So <laughs> a 4-1 win over the Devils as we record this tonight on Monday, February 7th. And now no rest. Sens host Carolina on Tuesday, then Pittsburgh Thursday, then they host Boston Saturday afternoon, and then they travel to Washington on Sunday afternoon. And those are those are four tough outs, by the way. Those aren't uh, yeah. those aren't the New Jersey Devils. Who, by the way, I looked at when I look at their roster and I look at their last ten games. What a big bag of suck that team is right now. But these <laughs> next these next four games, not so much. Okay, what a big bag of suck. I like that one. Well, what are they? One in ten in their last eleven. Now they've lost seven straight, and the roster itself. There's some nice names there, obviously, but. Uh, that's uh, uh, how about they've been outscored now 51 31 in their last 13. My insiders say that's not good. 
<laughs> All right, that's it for today for Sens Nation. Uh, Greg, enjoy your night, buddy. I will. Olympics are on, pal. Canada, yeah, U.S., the, women's hockey. Yeah, I wonder if they'll be wearing masks again. How weird was that? You're wearing oh. the actual the, the, the COVID masks under their masks. And and they couldn't, you're watching it and nobody knows what's going on because nobody's actually there and you're not allowed to go down there and ask anybody. And you're like, what's going on? Get the answers. Figure this out, will you? Yeah. We needed I, Kyle Bustakis to, what's his name? We needed Kyle to go down there and, and figure out what's happening. Kyle Bukaskis. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you can say it. Anyway, I, I was actually at uh, a restaurant getting takeout for my wife and I the other night and I had the mask on and I kept the mask on because it was cold out and I decided I was going to jog to the car. It was probably, I don't know, a hundred yards away. And when I got to the car, I was like, oh my God, I get this mask off so I can breathe for you. It really <laughs> does affect the breathing. So I really respect the ladies for getting through that hockey game without getting completely gassed. It was interesting though. They practiced in them. They, they had done training with them. Part of their training camp, uh, they wore the masks through ice sessions. So they Oof. were, they, yeah, prepared for every sort of outcome. All right. Well, enjoy the game, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday with our next episode. Thank you for being with us. We'll talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.